Our guest this week is David Stockman in the first of a two-part interview. And David will be also joining us this coming Thursday in Stanford, Connecticut at our Mises Circle event, along with Judge Andrew Napolitano and Jim Grant. So if you find yourself in the New York City area, please come join us this coming Thursday in Stanford. Now, of course, David Stockman was a congressman. He was Ronald Reagan's budget director and also a private equity fund manager who saw firsthand uh, so many troubled companies in an American economy that was built on cheap debt instead of real productivity. His book, written a couple of years ago now, The Great Deformation, is really a tour de force expose of crony capitalism. It's an indictment of Treasury Department and Fed actions following the great crash of 2008. And from my view, one of the most important books on crony capitalism ever written. His Contra Corner website is, for me, a daily must-read for anybody interested in the truth about our rigged economy. So if you're interested in the economy, what's going on, what's happening with the Fed and crony capitalism generally, stay tuned for the first of two great interviews with David Stockton. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we're back once again with Mises Weekends, and our guest this week is none other than David Stockman. David, how are you this morning? Very good, and uh, great to be with you, Jeff. Well, I have to say there's so much to talk about. There's so much going on. But let me just start with this. The Fed recently announced just this past week that uh, it would not use specific dates for targeting a higher Fed funds rate this year. And you almost get the sense that poor Janet Yellen is at the end of this greenspan Bernanke experiment, and there's not much left for her to do. I mean, what's your sense of Yellen and, and her position? Yeah, I agree with that. I think in some ways they're petrified as to where they've ended up or they should be. After all, we're in an experiment of monumental proportion that defies every canon of sound money or even uh, pragmatic monetary practice that we had before the year 2000 or even later. Let's just uh, assess where we are. Uh, if they don't raise the interest rate in June, and I think all the signals now are pretty clear they're going to find another reason to delay, that will mean 78 straight months of zero rates in the money market and as I always say, the money market price, that is the federal funds rate or overnight uh, money or a, a short-term treasury bill, is the most important price in all of capitalism because that determines the cost of carry, the cost of speculation and gambling. And when you conduct a monetary policy that says to uh, the speculators, to the gamblers, come and get it, you are guaranteed <clears throat> free money to carry your positions, whether you're buying, uh, you know, German booms or you're buying the S&P 500 stock index or the whole array of yielding or price-gaining uh, uh, assets uh, that are available in the financial markets and that you can leverage and carry those positions for free and roll it day after day without worry because the central bank has pegged your cost of production and, in a sense, has pledged on its solemn honor that it will not change without many months of warning. That's what this whole thing is of, uh, about changing the language and so forth, I think uh, you have uh, 
created a massive uh, uh, distortion um, in the very heart of uh, capitalism in the financial system, and that's exactly what uh, the Fed has done. Uh, secondly, I think even though they stopped actually adding to their balance sheet um, in October when QE supposedly ended um, in a technical sense, the point is that at $4.5 trillion, compared to $900 billion on the eve of the Lehman failure, we have, the Fed has put $3.5 trillion worth of uh, basic financial fraud into the, financial, into the uh, world uh, financial system uh, and economy. Uh, after all, when they bought all of that treasury debt, and all of those GSC, GSC securities, what did they use to pay for it with? Uh, it was, uh, you know, digital money, uh, uh, you know, uh, conjured out of thin air. And uh, they certainly haven't destroyed uh, or repealed, I should say, the law of supply and demand. Uh, so if you put Three and a half trillion of demand into the fixed income market at points along the yield curve, all the way from two years to thirty years. That is an enormous fat sum uh, on the scale. That is an enormous distortion of pricing because you can't have that much demand uh, without affecting the price and therefore the yield of securities. And as a result of the Fed doing that, as well as all the other major central banks of the world, the ECB now in full throttle, uh, Japan in uh, almost lunatic uh, uh, mimicking of uh, the QE, um, you are creating the greatest distortion of fixed income uh, pricing uh, or bond uh, market pricing in the history of the world. And uh, the bond market is, uh, you know, the monster of the midway. That is multi-tens of trillions big. And the central banks, uh, in some kind of uh, quasi-coordinated or unison fac uh, fashion, have uh, levitated the prices enormously and brought the yields right down almost to the zero line, to the zero bound, as they call it, and therefore have set up the world the financial system for a huge day of reckoning uh, somewhere uh, down the road and perhaps not that far away. After all, only two weeks ago, I believe, they had the German 10-year boomed yielding five basis points. That is crazy uh, in uh, any kind of world that makes uh, economic sense or that sustainable. Uh, already, uh, some of uh, the more aggressive <clears throat> bond traders in the world are jumping on that, calling it uh, the short of uh, a generation. We'll see about that, but the point is five basis points of yield, even on the mighty German boom for 10-year money, uh, is just a major, kind of a ultimate major of the lunacy that has been uh, injected into the financial system. But David, when you talk about the injections, when you talk about the thumb on the scale, uh, as you discussed in Contra Corner recently, it's not working, right? The Commerce Department just announced anemic first quarter GDP growth. Uh, I mean, is there any honest growth in the U.S. economy at this point? 
No, and this is one of the things that uh, I've been harping on, and uh, sometimes we get so caught up in the monthly uh, so-called incoming data and the short-term releases that then are seasonally maladjusted anyway and get revised four times over uh, that uh, we really lose track of where we are. So the other day I said, let's just uh, look at two uh, extended periods of time that occurred in different uh, uh, economic uh, and policy environments and do an assessment of where we are. So I took 1953 to 1971, that representing the end of the Korean War and the beginning of the great uh, uh, prosperity of the middle middle, middle century, ending in uh, the uh, August 1971, uh, you know, fatal mistake that Nixon made when he closed down Bretton Woods, Woods and the rest. I call that the golden era of prosperity. During that period, uh, the economy grew, and I use real final sales to measure the growth because uh, that takes out the inventory fluctuations and distortions that are in the GDP number per se. But if you take real final sales for that 18-year period, uh, it was 3.6% a year compounded during a time in which the Fed was run by William McChesney Martin, a survivor or veteran, you might say, of the 1929 crash and the trauma of the 1930s, uh, a man who wasn't necessarily, in the classic sense, a hard money, gold standard advocate, but he certainly was a uh, 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 wise uh, uh, financial head who understood the dangers of uh, speculation in the financial markets and of uh, too much heavy-handed intervention in uh, the financial uh, system. And my point is, during that 18-year period, the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve expanded by only $42 billion over 18 years. Now, during QE, that was about two weeks worth of expansion at the peak. More importantly, if you look at it in uh, real terms, inflation-adjusted terms, the balance sheet of the Fed grew about 3% a year. The economy grew at nearly 4%. Uh, therefore, the Fed uh, was engaged in a very uh, modest, light-touch uh, policy allowing the mechanism of capitalism, including the financial markets at the heart of it, uh, to function. Uh, the the balance sheet of the Fed grew by uh, 0.8 uh, of uh, the growth in the GDP. Now, let's take the last 14 years. We're in a totally different world. Uh, Greenspan has changed the whole notion of the role of the central bank. He's followed by Bernanke and Yellen. During that period, GDP growth or the growth of the economy has downshifted sharply to 1.8% a year over the last 14 years, half of what occurred during the golden era. Uh, by contrast, the balance sheet of the Fed grew from $500 billion to $4.5 trillion, 9x, but uh, looked at it in the same uh, annual terms, 17% a year growth of the balance sheet, uh, 15% after adjusted, adjusting for inflation. And that means that the Fed's balance sheet grew eight times more rapidly than the economy during the last 14 years, uh, you know, just the uh, inverse uh, of uh, the uh, relationship that occurred 
uh, back in the golden era. So I think if you need any proof that all of this massive intrusion into the financial system, the huge amount of money printing and balance sheet expansion, the uh, unremitting financial repression and pegging of interest rates uh, the way the Fed has been doing since the turn of the century. If you need any evidence that that's not working, look at the the fundamental comparison that I just made. Um, It's not working. The only thing it's really doing, and by, by not working, I mean it's not working in the real economy. It's not generating uh, expansion and living standard gains on Main Street, what it's doing is simply uh, inflating serial bubbles that uh, ultimately reach unsustainable peaks and, and collapse. We've had two of them this century already from that policy, and we're now... Uh, overwhelmingly, if you really look at the evidence in the third great bubble that uh, is even in some ways more fantastic than the earlier two, uh, it's only a matter of time before uh, it bursts uh, and implodes and uh, we'll then be uh, back to square one. Uh, hopefully, after, you know, on the third strike, you should be out. <laughs> I think that might be a fair uh, metaphor or proposition to make. Uh, hopefully, when this next big bust comes, and surely it will, when you look at the degree of speculation in the stock market or the high-yield market uh, or uh, many other uh, sectors that we can talk about, uh, when the bus comes this time, uh, uh, hopefully there will be a great day of reckoning um, in the country uh, in terms of demanding uh, a fundamental change in monetary policy, uh, the resignation of all the people who are sitting on the Fed today that have uh, led us right into this uh, gargantuan uh, financial trap. Dave Stockman, thank you so much for your time today. We look forward to seeing you in Stanford, Connecticut on Thursday of next week. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend.